lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Monday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with my good friends, Todd Erzin, Aaron McIntyre, and of course, all of you. Let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox. You can email the program steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Look for Steve Dace on MeWe and Gab. Parlor is supposed to be back this week. You'll be able to find us there as well. You can also find censored clips of the program at youtube.com slash stevedace or rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. And if you don't like censorship, what's wrong with you? You're one of the few, the proud, and actual American. If you don't like censorship, just subscribe. I get a discounted subscription right now at blazetv.com slash day so you don't have to worry about any of that big tech censorship any longer. Uh, You'll get all the exclusive content we do each and every day. Uh, as well as the overtime. That's our exclusive daily contribution here at Blaze TV that we stick around after this daily show and we record it exclusively for all of you, our Blaze TV subscribers. Today's topic we're going to discuss, should Donald Trump take Frank Luntz's advice? Now, I, I sort of feel that this is potentially an asked and, uh, uh, asked and answered, Your Honor, but I'm not sure, so we'll play it out. Todd, you seem dubious. Why not? Put your face right in the fan on Monday, you know? Let's get this thing started right. That's, you know, we like to get things started off on the wrong foot. That's how we roll. Everybody else looks to make a good first impression. Do you know how many emails I've received from people that said, man, I hated your show at first? See, that's what we do. We break you down. We lower expectations. And then you realize, at this point, I'm just pot committed. Might as well stick around. And then you end up liking it, mainly because you're just, don't want to admit that... You wasted your time listing all the previous times, right? That, that's kind of the way we operate around here. Everybody else wants to make a good first impression, builds up, you know, who they are. We want you to know going in, there's really nothing happening here. And It's tried and true. Hasn't yeah, failed us yeah, yet. Yes, indeed. We, we are just as surprised that um, we got a deposit from the Blaze this month for compensation. We are every bit as surprised that we got another one this month as all of you are. Yeah, so that's how we roll around here. BlazeTV.com slash Dace. If that sales pitch has finally gotten you off the fence and can't imagine it would not, uh, that's where you can become a discounted uh, a, a subscriber at a discounted rate here at Blaze TV. BlazeTV.com slash Dace. Got some good comments last week from the new glasses. I'm wearing them uh, today from our friends. Over at Better Spectacles, these are rodent stocks. They're a 144-year-old company. They're the world's gold standard with over 500 patents. Uh, Ronald Reagan himself wore rodent rodent stock glasses, and uh, they're available to all of you right now uh, nationwide for the first time. They're expert opticians, specialize in difficult prescriptions. That's what I have with uh, with um, with these progressives I have to wear from looking at computer screens all day. Well, finally, technology is caught up with your prescription. They can help you there over with Rodenstock glasses via Better Spectacles right now. Help you to see up to 40% better right now if you schedule a teleoptical appointment. Won't have to leave your house. Um, you're going to get the same expert uh, consultation as if you were sitting in one of their stores with the best trained opticians in the country. And they're also offering our audience a 61% off introductory price 
with their ghost spec lenses plus handcrafted rodent stock frames that's better spectacles.com slash steve if you want that deal 61 percent off better spectacles.com slash steve coming up on the show today next hour it's our monday town hall ask me anything edition at the bottom of the hour uh, i want to share a note from a listener that i think in a very subtle way her experience encapsulates the entire spirit of the age in america today and we're going to share that note and discuss it coming up at the bottom of the hour but before we get to all of that of course so that all righteousness will be fulfilled. Here's Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by a very happy belated birthing people's day to all those ovary havers out there. Dr. Anthony Fauci took the occasion to reassure us that we might maybe be able to get back to normal by next birthing people's day. I hope that next Mother's Day we're going to see a, a dramatic difference than what we're seeing right now. I believe that we will be about as close to back to normal as we can. And there's there's some conditions to that, George. Meanwhile, at AT&T Stadium in Texas, Saturday night. Yeah, that's a near-capacity crowd for the big boxing fight between Alvarez and Saunders. Anywho, Fauci also said this about mask wearing. Is the mask going to be something we have with us in a seasonal aspect? You know, that's quite possible. I think people have gotten used to the fact that wearing masks, clearly, if you look at the data, diminishes respiratory diseases. COVID Kardashian, Dr. Scott Gottlieb, a cardinal of panic porn, says the CDC should start easing indoor mask guidelines. I think we can do it right around now. I think we should now. start lifting these restrictions as, as I think we should start lifting these restrictions as aggressively as we put them in. We need to preserve the credibility of public health officials. Ah! Speaking of the CDC, they finally admitted over the weekend that COVID is not spread through droplets, but is indeed airborne, something that's been widely known for quite some time. Are you stupid or something? Speaking of stupid, three University of Massachusetts Amherst honor students have been suspended from school for not wearing their masks off campus while outside. The freshman students will reportedly lose their course credits and tuition over the maskless photo that was posted on social media. The three female students posed for a photo while at an off-campus party that was held outside in March. Continuing on, a Colorado mother says her entire family was kicked off a Southwest Airlines flight due to a pilot's concern that her disabled three-year-old son might not keep his mask on during the entire flight. Despite her insistence that the boy had undergone training to keep his mask on at all times, Southwest Airlines released a statement on the incident saying in part, quote, Southwest Airlines regrets any inconvenience. End quote. In Canada, you remember this pastor who went viral last month? Out! Do you understand English? Get out of this property. Go. So go. Go. And don't come back without the warrant. Out, Nazi. Well, on his way home from church yesterday, Pastor Arthur Pulowski was arrested by a SWAT team on the freeway. His crime reportedly, quote unquote, inciting people to go to church. 
daily defiance. We head to Oregon, where Todd, a Texan, flouts the ongoing mask mandates at this dining establishment. We continue to see a steady stream of Michigan men, this time Vegeta and his family going out to dinner maskless. And in Kansas, Joel, his wife, and their newborn baby hang out in the hospital maskless. Joel says the video is less a statement about he and his wife and more a shout out to the nurses in the hospital who gave them no trouble at all for going maskless. Moving on and checking in on the CIA and their recent recruiting push. Growing up gay in a small southern town, I was lucky to have a wonderful and accepting family. I always struggled with the idea that I might not be able to discuss my personal life at work. Imagine my surprise when I was taking my oath at CIA and I noticed a rainbow on then-director Brennan's lanyard. Officers from the top down work hard to ensure that every single person, whatever their gender, gender identity, race, disability, or sexual orientation can bring their entire self to work every day. We're fine. We're all fine here now. Thank you. How are you? In other news, Nebraska Senator Ben Sass is set to introduce legislation that would redirect unemployment benefits to signing bonuses for new hirees. The legislation follows last week's disastrous jobs report, which saw a fraction of the expected jobs added to the economy. President Biden was asked if he believes enhanced unemployment benefits disincentivizes people from getting back to work. No, nothing measurable. And finally, equality for all with comedian Ryan Long. A lot of men say that they're out here fighting for equality. But we've made the decision to fight for total equality in every way. Hey, babe, just checking in, seeing how that deck's coming. Well, it's great that women occupy 65% of PR jobs. We still live in a world where only 14% of Alaska crab fishermen are women. And 10% of roadkill removal specialists. Women are perfectly capable of things other than marketing, and they have every right to be down there mining coal with the boys. Some fake male feminists like to celebrate the fact that women occupy the majority of life coaching positions, while there's still only 3% of brick mates. Still a lot of work to be done. I encourage any man who cares to enroll his wife in a brick mason apprenticeship. Don't let her quit her other job, though. She can do it on the weekends. I promise you she can handle it. She's stronger than you think. And that's what happened while we were away. (laughs) (laughs) That's one of those things that is so brilliant. You wonder why nobody has thought of it before, right? Uh, Aaron's Montage brought to you by our friends over at Omega XL. Whether it could be your back, knees, neck, shoulder. For me, it's that pesky left hip flexor. Uh, Whatever is that, uh, that chronic pain, ache, stiffness you're dealing with, chances are. The underlying cause is inflammation, and you got to defeat that inflammation before it defeats you, and that's why you can't just use those topical rubs or pain relievers. Uh, they, they do good in a pinch, uh, getting you over the pain or getting you mobile again, but there's a reason you have to keep using them over and over again. They don't actually attack the inflammation. They only deal with the pain, the symptom being caused by that inflammation. That's where Omega XL comes in. It neutralizes The inflammation that is causing your painful, stiff joints and muscles backed by 35 years of clinical research. It's a product that I use daily. I'd recommend you give it a shot as well. And right now, if you do, they're offering you buy one, get a second bottle for free. Buy one, get one free when you visit OmegaXL.com slash Steve. That's OmegaXL.com slash Steve. Or give them a call. 800-844-4888. Take advantage of that buy one, get one free at 800-844-4888. A lot of what is in Aaron's montage, actually, we're going to address in um, uh, in this letter from one of our listeners. I'm going to share in the next segment a couple of things that that I that I, I, I do want to I do want us to address. 
from Aaron's montage, however. And they're going to be questions I'm going to ask you to, actually. Okay? Let's start with, give me the composite. And it's not a joke, okay? I mean, it's, it's probably going to be difficult to answer this without laughing. But give me the composite of the person that really believes it's not possible for America to return to anything close to normal until a year from now. Who is that person? Who are they? Probably lives in a high population center on either one of the coasts in a very affluent neighborhood, I would guess. Probably between the ages of 35 and uh, 55, maybe something like that, or maybe 30 and 50. And is probably um, probably either a uh, a woman with two uh, or three kids or no children and uh, and or a uh, a dude who just completely has no testes, something like that. OK, Todd, how would you add or subtract from his composite description of who this person is? Uh, well, I think it's males and females ages i would say 50 and up and i'm taking your language very literally those who believe it's not possible i believe those people are the useful idiots of the other group those younger than 50 who believe it's oh it's possible but we're not going to let it happen and we're going to use your neuroses but i i believe it's the, the the lion's share of them i don't think there's a lot of even the panic porn that we see, the young people screaming about wear your mask, mm -hmm. I, I, they're so part of the spirit of the age, broadly speaking. I really don't think most of their emphasis on this is we can't, the virus is still a thief in the night. I don't think that. I think it's, but there are 50 and over. There are a lot of people who just are, are part of that statistic, Republican or Democrat, who think, if I get this, I'm going to the hospital and may very likely die. What do you think of Aaron's description of where a lot of these people live? Uh, yeah, yes. And the reason I, want, I wanted to talk yes. to him before I talk to you is because, and this isn't a slam, although it may be considered as such. It's one of the reasons why I'm not a fan of it. But soccer as a sport, overly from, from all other sports in America, overly attracts a certain leftist, a certain political element mm -hmm. that that... I mean, there's plenty of people that voted for Joe Biden that like all the sports, but soccer uniquely attracts a certain element within that Democrat base and a concentration, a lump sum of that element yeah. that the rest of the popular sports in America do not. And so I wanted to have Aaron answer that first and then go to you because of your uh, and your family's love of soccer, you see an element of society daily that probably Aaron and I don't outside of just what we no. see in social media and on television. You're describing that level of uh, compliance that I described on the soccer sideline. What just it was two two weekends ago where the CDC advice came out and instantly one week 
later all the people but there's really for no me, point were, for people especially if you're vaccinated to be wearing masks outside yeah, but basically. they've been doing that yeah. this whole time and for a year and yeah. seeing and i never have and all of a sudden for two weeks in a row now nobody has just because that came out and that describes aaron's demographics exactly okay over the weekend our friend jordan Schachtel made an observation and and he said i i, I bet it's fascinating that people that consider themselves highly educated and live in places like Washington, D.C. or um, New York City or L.A. or San Francisco, do they have any idea that in most of the rest of the country, whatever Anthony Fauci comes on the Sunday morning shows and says is really wholly and totally irrelevant? And, it, and, and really it is. Yeah. I, I, mean, and, I mean, about the only state in the country between those coasts where he is still ascendant and preeminent is my former home state of Michigan. And, and that state is a turd hole. It's a hell hole right now as a result. Everywhere else, and, and one of the main reasons why, is because in 1950, Detroit per capita had the highest median income of any major city in America. Did you guys know that? Yeah. It was the number one wealthiest city in America. It was in 1950. It's entirely believable. And a, a half a century later, it, it's a demilitarized zone. Yes. Okay, now it's it's attempting to build itself back. It's better than it was 10 or 20 years ago, but it's still, um, it, it's still a, a city that has lost a good portion of its population and economic uh, base over the last several decades. And so, therefore, the state of Michigan did not have the built-in wealth centers to sustain Fauciism, which exists in the places on the coast, Aaron, that you addressed. Yep. The state of Michigan still largely is not as much as it used to be because they've lost so many of those jobs, but it relies on manufacturing type of jobs. It relies on automobile type of jobs. Um, skilled, I would call it skilled blue-collar labor. It require it relies on that as part of its economic base, far beyond a lot of the other places that that we would say are um, a, deeply devoted to Fauciism. Economically, those just aren't manufacturing sectors anymore. Is that fair? Yeah. yeah. And so the state of Michigan is the one place in the middle of those two coasts, I would say, that has gone full bore into Fauciism. And that's also, by the way, where last year, Michigan, on average, we lost 20% of American businesses last year. 20% of American businesses. This is a stat we document in our book, Fauci and Bargain. 20% of American businesses are never returning after the shutdowns of last year. Michigan had the highest rate of permanent closure, business closure of any state in the union, almost one third Almost one third of its businesses closed last year and are never coming back. Okay. And so when you take Fauciism outside of the kinds of, of, of areas, Aaron, that you described and you put it in places where the rest of America lives, you, I mean, you can, you can go to a soccer field and have all the panic porn and everything you want. We just can't sustain this. You know, I, we've given our governor Kim Reynolds an immense amount of credit. She's we thought she was doing a really good job before COVID hit. She's navigated it about as well as anybody else. But we should also if, if let's keep it real. There's a reality that Kim Reynolds faced right away with this, that the governor of, of, of California and the governor and the Republican governor of Massachusetts and the Democrat governor of New York, they're not facing that reality. I mean, like we whine and stuff about like Ohio and Mike DeWine. Ohio is not as bad from an opening standpoint. It, given the demographics of the state, it should be better. 
but Michigan, Ohio compared to Michigan right. is Puerto Vallarta. Okay. This, the, 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 one of the things that motivated Kim Reynolds, I believe, and I know this also from talking to some people close to her, the reality is if the state of Iowa shuts down, we, we feed more people in this world than any singular state in this country does. If the state of Iowa remains shut down, you think the back, you're reading stories now about the cancer screenings and stuff we warned you about a year ago. They're now running those kinds of stories in the New York Times and everything else. You think the cancer screening's bad. If the state, if, if, if our governor had adopted Fauciism, where would your food supply? Remember last year, year at ago, this time, yes. you couldn't go buy a burger at Wendy's or what, at, at, at a lot of Wendy's around the country, right? They'd taken red meat off the menu. See, I, I think our governor also faced a certain realization that you can't break the natural law. It will break you. So this thing, you, this thing had a very limited window in Iowa to prove it was Captain Trips. And then once it did not, we had to get back to some form of normalcy. Otherwise, y'all are going to starve, right? That, 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 and so in some of the places that Aaron's describing, they feel as if they get to live immune to these natural laws. And therefore, they can afford to join a cult, basically. Is that fair? Oh, it's more than fair. To make your point really clear, you'll find this fascinating. I was in rural Iowa, soccer game, talking to a police officer, and we led, one thing led to another, asked what I do, and, and the book came up. No kidding, a police officer asked me, who is Anthony Fauci? They had no idea. Mm-hmm. They had... You said at the beginning that you're press, we're somewhat immune to it. Yes. So immune. There's people out there who have no idea who the man is. Mm. I really quick final question on the along these lines because then I want to, I want you guys to give me a, another. I'm going to have you guys answer another important question that Aaron's montage for me. What does that mean moving forward? What does that mean? What does it mean moving forward both on the virus? Because. Aren't we really saying that the people who live in these population centers that Aaron described that are still beholden to Fauci, are, are they not aware that, that they had 100,000 people almost at AT&T Stadium to watch a boxing match over the weekend? Did they, did they not watch the Super Bowl? Did they, did they not see fans in the stands in Tampa Bay? Did they, did they not watch the Final Four? Did they not see fans in the stands there? Did they not watch all the George Floyd um, uh, funerals protests? Right? Right. There's a lot of talk about who's educated and who's not and who mm-hmm. follows science and who does not. The amount of cognitive dissonance then that you have to, you have to wantonly, wantonly, like you, meaning you're not, you're not willing to go through it because it affirms you. Wantonly means you seek it out. You have to seek out this level of cognitive dissonance as if the rest of the country is not largely moving on. Don't you? Yeah. This, this is the topic that comes to Steve as you've had me do uh, like two dozen now uh, radio interviews to promote the book. This is almost always where the conversation goes every single time. How, to, how do we avoid this in the future? Because there's no return to normal. Just like with the gender wars before this and now, there's going to be the new Rahm Emanuel, don't let a crisis go to waste. And I think the closest person to being on the dot about this uh, has been Jesse Kelly. When he talks about you make your red steads, red states yep. redder mm-hmm. than yep. ever mm-hmm. before. You want Those guys are going to purge Massachusetts? Fine. We're going to purge Texas. Like, you ain't seen nothing yet. And he's right. That's that's exactly where I... Going forward, what this means is, if there's any company, any large company 
who's interested in setting up a, a warehouse like an Amazon or a manufacturing or development um, type of uh, operation or servers like a Facebook or Microsoft in a red state, you have to you have to be punitive with them. If they're going to bring in a lot of jobs from Silicon Valley or Silicon Valley or any bastion of progressivism in the United States, that that company can have tax breaks, a few tax incentives. I mean, it it helps the economy one way or another. They're they're still paying some taxes. Mm -hmm. They're still bringing some people in. That's Mm -hmm. helping businesses, ancillary businesses around. You can have some tax credits. Here's the thing, though. It's incumbent upon you never, ever, ever making any statement whatsoever about any piece of legislation that you don't like, that you, uh, you as a corporation don't like in a state. I'm just talking this out as I'm, uh, or I'm just you know, kind of thought to no, but speaking. You're, you're, you have to be punitive yes. with mm-hmm. these people. If you, want your, if you want tax breaks, if you want to get out of the liberal t- hell holes that are California, New York at all, you will not F with us. That is that is the deal that's on the table. And if you don't want that deal, you're not coming. here. So they're always conditional. Exactly. They're always conditional. You do not put your thumb on the scale with our way of life and we will invite you into our prosperity and largesse. The minute you put the thumb on the scale, though, we yank we yank the table out from underneath you. So the big question remaining on the table then is, is there any don't mess with Texas left in Texas and elsewhere? Because do we really have a red standard? Because do you say you saw what happened in Plano, Texas? Yeah. You saw. Yeah. All right. The other thing I want to ask you guys about the the video of the CIA recruiting push that is in Aaron's montage. We're in big trouble. When when they see that in Pyongyang or Moscow or Tehran or Pyongyang, their reaction is what? Woody laughing at Buzz Lightyear. Their designs on this nation don't require 9-11 anymore. Their designs are still the same, but they see that now, I don't think for a long time they felt that they could play the long game, but I think they know now that they can, and I think they know they will win the long game because of that unless something changes. Like a like a basketball coach who realizes I don't have to risk we're we're behind right now in yes. the game. And I you know, we're not way behind, but we're clearly behind. Like eight to ten points. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the question becomes, do I press? Do I get more aggressive defensively? And how many times you see teams do that? They make the climb all the way back with the energy they expend to get back there. And then they they don't have a second gear to close it out and get the win. And the other team ends up pulling it out in the end, right? Mm -hmm. In this case, you look at the other team and you're like, I don't know. Their best player already has four fouls. The other players already fouled. Their other best players already fouled out. So I'm behind by eight to 10 points right now. But when I look at the flow of the game, why would I exhaust my own players pressing that team when their when their ranks are already diminishing right in front of us? And in the end, we'll just end up uh, out. We'll win a war of attrition at the end. Is that what I hear you saying? Yeah. So instead of you know strapping C four to their chest and hijacking planes, right. it's more which about, then draws our ire in response. Yes, exactly. We annihilate them in response. Right. We send them back to the Stone Age but in response. It's more going back doing the little manipulations in their own backyard mm-hmm. to continue to push the envelope on like that. Like China putting out an announcement last yes. week saying local communities can't do vaccine passports yeah, on people anymore. 
That's just a troll. Like when, do you remember a few years ago when Putin ran that letter? Was it in the New York Times or the Washington Post about traditional values or something Mm -hmm. during the Obama years? That's just a troll, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So they're going to just be laying the groundwork for taking advantage of the moment to the best extent possible when and if we come apart, whatever that means. What do you think, Aaron? No, I would agree with that. And it's, um, they have, uh, kind of along the lines of how China has cracked the code of communism. Just give people a lot of widgets, keep their bellies full, um, you know, give them give them some purchasing power. That's kind of the code that they cracked. Just basically uh, a lot of, uh, you know, a little bread and a lot of circuses. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think the code has been cracked for America's enemies, not opposition, but enemies that they're copulating themselves to death here. Why am I going to blow myself up? When they're doing it for me might be a little bit slower than I would like, but it's happening nonetheless. Why would I why would I along the lines of what Todd was saying? Why would I blow myself up if they're going to if they're just blowing up a little bit slower than I would like? Hmm. So what does that mean then? Moving forward, I think it means if I can um, interject here means what I've said before. um, America's military has been the gold standard for America's economy. We're upside down on our debt. We're way behind. We're way behind on our debt. And that didn't mean anything. That didn't mean anything 10 years ago. But now you look at the infrastructure of America's intelligence community, of America's military, and how that is cancering uh, or just completely cancerous. Our military standard was all that was coming in between us and our enemies. And now that's up for debate. Don't return to normal because normal sucked and got us here. More in a moment. So a lot of the food that we eat today, I mean, if you go to a grocery store nowadays, one of the biggest sections of the store uh, is the supplement section because a lot of the food that we eat today is dead. It's basically dead food. A lot of the vitamins, minerals, nutrients, pre- probiotics, um, et cetera. A lot of those things have been taken out so that the food can be mass distributed, uh, mass consumed, and it'll stay, quote unquote, fresher longer. But then we're unhealthy as a result of what we're eating because we're not getting the things we need the most from our food. So we got to go buy supplements to put those things back into our diet. You know what? Same thing happens with our pets as well. Their food is dead when it leaves the factory as well. That's why they need a supplement. That's why we've been telling you about Rough Greens for well over a year on this show. But you may be concerned if I put that supplement powder, mix it in with my dog's food, will they like it? Well, here's one way to find out. We'll just give you the bag for free. You pay for the shipping, but the first 14-day Jumpstart bag is on us. Find out if your pet digs it as much as our dog Cap does when you go to roughgreens.com. R-U-F-F for roughgreens.com. You just pay for the shipping. That first 14-day Jumpstart bag is free. Roughgreens.com or give them a call. 833-ROUGH-DOG. So... I had made the decision already to share this note from a listener before I saw, Aaron, what was going to be in your montage. And except for the two issues that we addressed, everything else, or and, and, and the, uh, the, the comedian Ryan Long turning feminism against itself at the end, except for those three things, everything else in your montage 
ended up being in this note. And this note is a testimony from one of our listeners connecting a lot of dots. What is this? The stuff we talk about philosophically, morally, intellectually, theologically. What's it mean practically? Right? When the chickens come home to roost, what does it mean? What's it mean in our lives? What does it look like? This story from PW, I think, connects a lot of those dots for us. She writes, I work at a woke corporation, Kohl's. I was the target of some SJW woke millennials who tried to get me fired because I fought wearing a mask with every fiber of my being. Weren't you just talking about this? Yes. Yeah. They called OSHA, wrote up fake reports on what I was doing and what Coles was doing. They literally lied about the very company they were working for, trying to get us shut down. Literally biting the hand that feeds them. Remember last year we kept talking about Clay Travis? What he, didn't he dub him? What was it, the Corona Bros, right? Yep. The high-profile sports writers who demanded that college and pro football not be played when that is the vast majority of their own readership. So they were literally arguing against their own jobs, right? Right. Is that what she's talking about here? Yeah. Yeah. In addition, we cannot keep products on the shelves. People are spending like drunken sailors. I hear them walking around asking their kids, do you want this? Here, let's buy this. Just buying to buy anything and everything. All that stimulus money. Also, we can't get people to work at all. We have constant call-outs every day. I am in low-level management and have access to the payroll numbers. Coles has been adamant about not giving overtime to the management. At this point now, they are begging us to work overtime. We are getting to the point where we are on the verge of having to shut down the store early simply because we have no one to work. I have talked to people who routinely call out and ask, Hey, how can you afford to call out to eat all the time? The answer, they're all on unemployment. All they have to do is work under a certain amount of hours to keep getting the money. How much money are they getting? People who are still working and signed up for unemployment, one girl told me she still gets $800 a week. I know this is all anecdotal, but have a weird feeling it is somehow connected. Because it is. For many, many years on this show, one of the first shibboleths we went after, and it was really long before these two guys came to work here, back when you guys were just listening to this when it was a local show, the idea that you could be fiscally conservative and socially for Sodom, right? That, you, that those things were mutually exclusive. That we can just let the passions of the people unbridled run amok. But those exact same lack of restraints that they are exhibiting in their behavior, somehow, when it came to being responsible for their own actions, when their money was involved, why they would realize, you know what, 
And I just banged the babysitter and got her pregnant. I should pay for my own abortion. Is that what they do? No. No. Do you pay? You pay. Remember when I used to say that? You yes. pay. You pay. You pay. You pay. You pay. You pay everywhere. You pay for everything. You pay. You pay. You pay. People don't just sit there and say, you know what? I'm going to live. I'm going to party like a rock star. But when the bill comes due, I'll own up and pay it off myself. Is that what they do? Because it's the right thing to do. Yeah. It's always about the right thing, right? Yeah, no. See, the same impulse, the same basic carnal depraved instinct that says let the freak flag fly also says um oh no this blew up in my face blame god and make the taxpayer subsidize it right yes it's the same exact thing it's the same wiring now there's always exceptions We have people, for example, right now in our own movement who have a different moral uh, moral understanding than we do on our show and yet have managed to not let that spill over into their holistic worldview. You want to know why we like know their names? You want to know why you know so much about Rick Grinnell, for example? Because he's... uh, um, uh, uh, unique. He's the out, he's an outlier. For everybody like Richard Grinnell, there's 500 others that are like you'll pay, you pay, you pay. Think I'm wrong? Go read the comment section of Andrew Sullivan's own Twitter account and and blog and blog site. His own look, look what his own followers say to him. What he's called. This idea that human nature, when not restrained, do you know when human nature is nuanced? When you get pious people that make horrible mistakes and immoral people that accomplish great things, that actually happens. Human nature is nuanced when society believes it needs to be restrained. Because societal restraints only work so far. The only thing that really turns sinners into saints is the Holy Spirit. A transformative rebirth in Christ. That's the only thing that changes people. That changes the nature. Changes what we see and what we seek. Nothing else does. But when society says these are the standards and you will be punitively punished if you break them, it does produce certain incentives to not go there or at least not go there with gusto because you're paying the bill you pay actually you'll pay for it but when society removes those restraints do you know what leaves human nature distinctions we don't slouch towards Gomorrah far be it for me to debate the late great Robert Bork we don't slouch Once the door is cracked, we sprint. 
We sprint there. Once the restraints are gone. We're Danny DeVito, man. Hit me, hit me, hit me, hit me. All in, all in every hand. Do seven, I'm all in every hand. Doesn't matter. I'm playing with somebody else's money. And and the professional poker players who got rich with their own money or the money of the people that staked money on their behalf that they then had to pay back lose their damn minds because some internet guy that just won a contest online just goes all in and doesn't care because he's not it it wasn't his he didn't put up the ten thousand dollar stake for him to play in the tournament right Right. so he's just playing with house money the whole time he's subsidized the pros aren't that's their money or whoever's taking the money which they'll pay back if they lose so they gotta actually play this thing out They can't just win a game on luck. They can't gamble on luck. House always wins when it comes down to luck. That's what's going on here. We are subsidizing laziness. We are subsidizing a lack of production. And the same impulses, understand... The same impulses that she describes in this note, the same impulses she describes from her employees who refuse to work overtime, who don't even want to work enough hours to even max themselves out before they get to overtime, because if they do that, they'll lose $800 a week in unemployment. So she's in management. She's above them. She's working their hours while the people below her voluntarily work less hours and eat better than she does. That's not a meritocracy. The same impulse that drove them to do that was the same impulse that drove them to call OSHA and play social justice warrior on masks. This idea That if we just let people react and act out morally all they want, and when it comes to their money, they'll just suddenly start humming, dear prudence, is insane. It's insane. It's it's like believing a candidate for governor of California who doesn't know what gender he is will defend the sanctity of gender in competitive sports. He'll defend the sanctity of something he's already desecrated. You know, insane like that. It's insane. We have to accept human nature for what it is, what it actually is. Not what we prefer it to be. You know, I used to just say this about leftists. Remember those days? Yeah. We should just talk about liberals and leftists with their magical thinking, refusing to believe human nature is what it is. Now we have to say this a lot to a lot of the people wearing our own uniform. Just want to return to normal, Steve. Them? This is the normal that this spirit of the age has been looking for. What's going on in the country right now isn't an outlier. It is a harvest. Let me repeat that. Get this loud and clear. If nothing else we're going to say today, you remember. Remember this. What is happening in the country right now is not an outlier. It's a harvest. 
one plants and other waters and the spirit of the age gives the increase. The harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. There's no point to working. Stay home. Waste your gifts. Let those poor saps and suckers who are actually trying to capitalize on theirs subsidize you. And then in the future, which kind of people will be most likely to be conditioned to accept whatever the next contrived crisis that causes us to surrender whatever's left of our fleeting liberties? Which kind of people are more inclined to do that? Didn't we just have that conversation a few minutes ago? Did we not? Yes. Yes. This isn't an outlier. It's a harvest. A culture has to be conditioned to roll over and play dead like this. You were promised a treat. You're a pet. Any thoughts on that, gentlemen? That, when you said the door opens a crack and they sprint, you had me thinking of, Steve, do you remember back uh, when the uh, the rush uh, to... uh, uh, take over the prairie and they were actually you talk about contrived there were actual land rushes they were races of horses and buggies to get to the land uh th- th- that's what you are describing though but it's in the name of wokeism that, that this that's the system that is yes, these contrived. are the opposite opposite of homesteaders is basically yeah, what yes, you're saying yes yeah. to, to claim everything yep. at a locust and so level. instead of hey here's a land The door's open. Whoever gets there first, it's all yours, right? Okay. This is now, here's the teat. Here's the giant sow with the giant teat. There's only a few suckling spots. Grab yours immediately. Yes. And in the vacuum. And wear a mask. All the same people. It's, It's not, we are drawing distinctions up against an enemy who laughs and says, you'll take it all. The full Monty, every inch, all the way down your throat. Yeah. Or nothing. That's there will be no distinctions. You'll take it all or nothing. And there's never any consequences. Consequences. That's what I said on Friday. Remember that Superman analogy when he finally stepped in, there was going to be hell to pay. There's never any hell to pay. There's never even a a bare minimum of consequences for all of this. We stand there and like you said, beg like a like the dog who's been kicked too much. Bruce Springsteen, all you do is spend your time covering up. That's us. That's what happened in Plano, Texas over the weekend. Oh, hey, remember when these just wait till these activists do this in Texas. They did right in your face, right in your face. And when you tried to do something about it, the guy in the video, your cop says you're the problem get out of the way and let them block you on your way home we're not a nation of laws and we never have been we're a nation of political will and we always will be all right we're back 
live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Totters and Aaron McIntyre and all of you. Let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox. You can email us, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Look for Steve Dace on MeWe, Gab, and Parlor as well when it returns. Look for clips of the program on youtube.com slash stevedace or rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. And if you're a podcast listener, we are looking for you to hit that subscribe button for us. Leave us a five-star review. Thanks to the thousands of you that have done those things already for us. If you've not yet done so, please consider doing that. Uh, if nothing else, it pleases the mucky mucks, the overlords down in Dallas at the Blaze. They, they like seeing positive things about the program because let's face it, most of what they see is not positive. But... If you watch and listen to the show on a regular basis, you can probably understand why. We are going to get to our Monday Town Hall. It's our MeWe Ask Me Anything edition brought to you by Built Bar. I just got an email I was responding to from Brad in Alabama during the break. He's like, man, I tried that coconut brownie chunk. Holy buckets. Is that Built Bar flavor good. That's actually, I've got one sitting over there at, the, at my desk. That, that's my lunch today when we get done with the show, or part of it anyway. If you've never tried these before, they are the best protein bar you have ever had. The most nutritious candy bar you've ever tried. Now, they're, they're not really a candy bar. They are going to taste like one, though. Uh, and right now, you get 15% off your first or next order. So if you've never tried them before, you're like, I've got to go back again Use my last name, Dace, as the promo code, D-E-A-C-E. Get 15% off your first or next order with the promo code Dace at BuiltBar.com. B-U-I-L-T for BuiltBar.com. I mean, you look at three to five net carbs, five grams or less of sugar, uh, 160 calories or less. These are phenomenal and they're healthy too. Promo code is DACE, 15% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, let's get to our Monday Town Hall. MeWe, our followers on MeWe this week get to ask us anything. Todd, you have selected the questions that I have not seen. And Aaron, you have them loaded and ready to go. We will start with Clint Bradford. Love the show. I read Fauci and Bargain. It was great. My wife is a nurse. I read interesting parts out loud to her here and there. She questions page 134. You claim that if masks work, why don't doctors wear masks? Her response is that, A, we have a flu shot available vaccine every flu season. If we didn't have a flu shot, then they would be required to wear a mask. But the flu is transmitted by droplets and is not airborne. Therefore, an appropriate mask, surgical, would be effective since masks stop droplets. As of 5-9 or uh, May the 9th, CDC website says flu is spread by droplets and COVID is spread by droplets and small, small particles. I assume they mean aerosol particles. What are your thoughts? All right, so leave that up there. Quick point of order. Was it, yeah. the, the, the main point is, why don't doctors wear masks all the time? Yes, yes. We're not talking like in a medical setting. Correct. We mean like, how come they're not wearing them out and about? Um, number one, um, if, her, if her reasoning is because they all take the flu shot every flu season and they're vaccinated. So I would ask your wife, Clint, does that mean then that her medical facility is telling her if she's had the COVID vaccine that she doesn't need to do so any longer? Are they doing that? Is she pushing for that? Is she encouraging that? 
are the doctors that she works with. Are they, are they, if they're fully vaccinated for COVID, are they wearing masks everywhere they go? In fact, I won't, I don't even really need to address the rest of your question until we get an answer to that one. I will though, because there's an, there's interesting points there that need to be addressed. But if, if we're, if, if your wife were here and her and I were going to go back and forth on the content in the book on this page, I would start with, you need to show me you believe in your own standard. You want me to accept your expertise as the standard. And I, I agree. You have more knowledge than I do. I agree with that. The question is, though, are you, do you have enough expertise for me to change the way I live in accordance with what you require? And for me to be convinced of that, I need to know that you believe in what you claim. Which is, I think you're saying there's not a doctor or medical professional scientist worth their salt who should be saying right now, keep wearing these masks. Yes. Yeah. If that's your reason, that, by the way, that's not the reason you haven't been wearing a, 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 the, the masks for every flu season your whole life. That might be what she's been told as a nurse. It's not the reason. The reason is, is because, and we can prove this. Every study of the effectiveness of masks against respiratory viruses ever conducted until about June of last year. There's every study ever done, ever, like ever, anywhere in the world, ever done. They all say one thing to some degree until like June of last year, and then like that, they just all stop saying it. Well, not all. All the Western ones stop saying it. A friend of mine sent me a text this morning from a tweet from a guy that wants to condemn Sweden's coronavirus response because he stacked it up against Finland and Norway. And Finland and Norway, which did lockdowns, did better than Sweden. I told him that's a scam. And there's, there's three reasons why. Number one... Are we accepting, therefore, and I always get the term wrong, it's longitudinal, right, Aaron? Is that the term? East-West? Longitudinal spread. Is that? Oh, sure, yeah. Okay, (laughs) I always always forget the name of that term. If we are agreeing, see, first of all, we have to set a parameter. Are we going to agree to longitudinal spread of of a virus, meaning that the virus goes where it goes seasonally and cannot be stopped? If we agree to that, that I'm okay with Sweden being compared to its, its Slav, its, its um, Scandinavian. Scandinavian neighbors. Thank you. But we don't want to agree to that, do we? No, we don't. No, we don't. So you can't have it both ways. So first we have to agree, is that a thing? Now, I happen to think it is a thing. Why? Because I look at data, and all the data shows it's a thing. Whatever fresh timber is out there for this outbreak, you're not stopping it from the outbreak reaching that timber. You're not stopping it. That doesn't mean there are no mitigation efforts ever, but they should always be concentrated on the vulnerable populations, not a mass population. When you do that, you actually weaken our immune systems against the outbreak. You delay the inevitable. It's going to go where it goes. You're not going to stop it. You're not stopping an airborne virus, folks. So I, I'm, but if we're going to compare Sweden only with its, only with its Scandinavian neighbors, then we have to agree to longitudinal seasonal spread. But 
they don't want to do that. Okay, so then you don't, so then number one, since you don't want to do that, I will not permit you this talking point. Because you have to prove to me, like I just said to your wife, the nurse, you have to prove to me you believe your own talking points. Number two, the level of immigration that Sweden has taken in compared to the rest of its Scandinavian neighbors is higher. Why does that matter? Because everywhere we look around the world, we see populations with lower, with, with lower, um, uh, what's the, uh, where we get skin tone from. Melon? Uh, yeah. yeah, thank you. With, lo- with lower levels of, of that are more susceptible to the virus. They tend to be more vitamin D deficient. So the fact that they've taken in a lot more immigrants from around the world than a lot of their other countries have. I mean, Denmark has been trying to push away a, a far right nationalistic movement for the last couple of decades against this. Sweden's all in on it. In fact, if you look at Sweden's epidemiological, I've just never talked about it before, because frankly, it's not really germane to the conversation. But if we're going to go here, then let's have it. If you look at Sweden's epidemiological flow, you're going to see a preponderance of lethality within its immigrant population compared to the population at large. That's just a fact. That's the data there. Number three, Norway doesn't wear masks. Norway, the Norwegian government looked at it, found to stop one infection, they'd have to forcibly mask 200,000 people. Norway doesn't do masks. So context here matters, right? A lot. A lot of it does. And what I see here in this argument, Clint, frankly, is a lack of context. The reason why they don't wear masks outside of work during flu season is because every study we had ever done until June of last year indicated Masks don't stop the spread. In high-density settings, they do not stop the spread. Or personal settings, where you live closely with people or you're closely sitting with them, they don't stop the spread of respiratory viruses. Number one. But, I would go back to your wife and say, then I'm guessing you guys aren't wearing masks anymore because you're vaccinated, right? Not wearing masks for COVID. Do you believe that? Now, the CDC thing, they're six months behind on this. They're six months behind on everything. Everything. It's, it, the timing is interesting now. So let's follow the series of unfortunate events. They modify way too conservatively some of their mask requirements, right? They modify some of their mask requirements, and then they tell us, Oh, by the way, it's an airborne virus. Why does that matter? Because if you've read Fauci and Bargain, you know we quote Michael Osterholm, now one of President Biden's COVID advisors. He was giving a presentation last spring to the Chamber of Commerce in his native Minnesota, wanting to know when can we all stop uh, going bankrupt? And they suggested to him could we just reopen everything and we wear masks? And Dr. Osterholm says, that doesn't work against an airborne virus. In fact, the analogy he gives is, it's like putting a screen door on a submarine. That's the exact analogy he gives. So, 
this is why all of the models were wrong. The Imperial College model tells you it doesn't know how the, for sure how the virus is spread, and yet we did everything they told us to do anyway. I don't understand that, but okay. Experts. But this is why all the models are wrong. This is why your masks don't work. Now, if you were all wearing properly fitted N95 masks that you changed out daily, if not more regularly than that, could you stop an airborne virus there? You'd have a lot more protection than wearing a useless Chinese face diaper provides. I'll tell you that. So, number one, does your wife's own profession believe their own talking points? Let's see you guys live this out. Do you even believe your own talking points? Number one. And then number two, that airborne revelation is six months old, or I shouldn't say old, six months too late. And it explains a lot about how quickly this thing spreads why our mitigation efforts don't work. That's kind of a missing piece to the puzzle. Why your masks don't work. Why it doesn't matter. Because inevitably, we have to breathe. Locking people down doesn't work. Then we just end up with a situation where instead of I went to an event and got it, I just get it from somebody in my house. And we went to a situation last year where, okay, we didn't have large events, large gatherings where people are breathing the air, circulating around and giving it to each other. They just took it home with them. And so we had 80% of the, of the cases were intrafamilial last year. Because we have to breathe, folks. Do I have to assert this? Yes, apparently. We have to breathe. File this right under Friday's claim about the GOP and transgenderism. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I, I don't have anything left to say. One thing that would have worked a lot more is if we would have worked, you know, if we're going to spend all this money on infrastructure, can we at least spend it on things that might help, right? How about improved air ventilation yeah. systems in all these indoor settings? Like nursing homes. Like nursing homes, maybe. Long-term care facilities, maybe. Yeah. We should have done that instead. Instead, use a Chinese cloth face diaper that doesn't work. Next. We'll go to Leon Athey, who says, Regarding the coming hyperinflation and digitization of currency, do you think this pandemic was a deliberate catalyst or an opportune event? A spark, if you will, that was fanned into an inferno in order to lay waste to the current economic systems? This is a great question. Let me give you, uh, and I don't know that I've ever done this before, eschatological analogy. Huh? Hey. I'm growing. I'm I'm growing. I'm I'm growing. Um, in in the eschatological tradition that is predominant in American and really Western Protestant Christianity, it's known as premillennial dispensationalism. But really, it's what the left behind books and a lot of what you've even if you're not a Christian that you're familiar with raptures and covenants with Israel and all those sorts of things. Okay. In that eschatological tradition, 
this a sovereign God still decides when these events take place, right? We're not like, I don't know if this thing is still around, but there used to be a group in the 90s and 2000s called the Temple Fund. Yep. That would get a bunch of gullible Christians to donate money for the Jews to, to reassume, the Israeli government have the Jews reassume control of the Temple Mount so they could begin resuming sacrifices there in order to spur God, uh, in order to spur on end times events. Because I guess apparently God was just sitting around waiting for your love gift. Yeah, for your love gift this month. Yes, for you guys to <laughs> donate enough money to the temple fund in order to make it so. All right. Michael, we are, they, 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 they did it. We can move on. That's how it works up there, apparently. Okay. And I'm going to get an email from at least some of you that donated to this. And you're going to tell me why it was the right thing. It wasn't. You got scammed. Okay. But, all right, that notwithstanding, a sovereign God is in charge of these events. But in this eschatological tradition is the enemy not knowing when the day or the hour, but is he constantly prepared to take advantage of the opening? Yes. And that's what I believe occurred here. Whether the Chinese inflicted this virus on us, which they did, or it happened naturally, it didn't. Whatever its origins are, ultimately, everything, the fact that Bill Gates was on TV five minutes later with his vaccination ideas is indicative of the fact that a certain class of elites were waiting for the, as you put it, the opportune moment to strike. In fact, let's go back to Imperial College. Now, we made this point to you last year. It's kind of been lost a little bit. But shortly after Imperial College came out with its model, its doomsday model, it shut the world down. The university released an ancillary paper talking about how this is now the opportune moment for us to, with, with the world shut down, to install the environmental solutions that are long overdue. Why? Well, one of the biggest donors to Imperial College is a man named Jeremy Grantham. He's a multi-billionaire. He's donated 80% of his personal wealth to ending what he calls the 250-year um, fossil fuels bubble. In other words, I've made my billions, so I now get to tell you how, to you, how you get to live, and it will, not coincidentally, be in a society where you're no longer eligible to make billions. <laughs> Funny how that, funny how that always works. Yeah, enjoy your right? synthetic beef, by the way. Yes, it's a, it's a maze balls when all the when all the really 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 rich people get together and decide what's the best society for everybody else. Rule number one is there won't be any more rich people. Isn't it weird how that always works itself out? I mean, that's odd. Hmm. Okay, but yeah, an Imperial College waited like twenty four forty eight hours to put that paper out. That was it. Already ready to go. That's why I said last hour, this isn't an outlier. It's a harvest. It's a moment that the spirit of the age has been longing for. You've heard of Republicans. Yeah, yes, nefariously. Thank you. You've heard of Republicans pounce. Right, that's a common liberal media uh, story trope. Spirit of the age pounces. All right. And it was waiting for this moment. It, I don't believe it knew what the moment would be. But it was ready 
and waiting for the moment when it arrived. Next up, we have Steve Brody. You were talking the other day about the opening of the Constitution. We the people, in light of some decisions slash judgments of the SCOTUS in the past regarding immigrants, what would you think of amending the line to we the citizens? I, I want to. There was another uh, writer who responded to that and said, oh, hell no. Hmm. Why do you think that writer, and he did it from a healthy American perspective. Uh, why do you think he may have done that? Is he afraid of the fact that... A pro-American. I mean, you can disagree with it. Sure. It's just he was not being a, just a troll or anything. The he idea of amending the idea. original line, line yeah. of the Constitution is sacrilegious said, in some he way. He said they got it right the first time. Okay. Um, well, first of all, keep in mind, those guys that, got the, that you think that got the Constitution right the first time, what was the first thing they did with it after they got done with it? What was the first thing they did? Amended. They amended it 10 times. That's where we got the Bill of Rights from. So right after they thought they, right after we thought, hey, they got it right the first time, right after that, they began amending it. Like literally right after, like right after. Actually, while they were signing it. There, yes. Like, we have plans to amend it. <laughs> yes. Okay. So while I think the, the Constitution of the United States is a miracle, I don't believe it is holy writ. Okay. I like this idea. And it goes back to something I heard. I first heard Mark Levin say this several years ago. And I've used it many times. I want to make sure the guy who originated it gets credit for it. We are not a nation of immigrants. We're a nation of citizens. You know, there's, there is something about the spirit of the age that it loves the search for truth. Hates the finding of it. It loves the search for something meaningful. Right? It, 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 wants, it wants basically the number one hymn played in the church to be here on Bono's 61st birthday, I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For by U2. It doesn't want it to be Amazing Grace or How Great Thou Art. Okay, It's, it's laudable to be searching for something of meaning. It's incredibly intolerant and bigoted to have actually claimed to have found it. Same thing I think applies here. By continuing to say we're a nation of immigrants, there's never really any certainty, therefore, on what an American it makes. What, what, what makes an American? What does it mean to be uniquely American? What does that mean? By just being a perpetual nation of immigrants, it's open-ended. Dude, forget placing a comma where God placed a period. We just don't have any, we don't know what a punctuation mark is. It's just, a, it's an ellipse, it's, it's ellipses. That's all, it's, that's all it is, dot, 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 every time. It's like a Larry King column on USA Today in the 90s. I had catfish last night, dot, dot, dot. That's all it is. He was literally writing columns like that in USA Today when you were a little kid, by the way. Yeah, they're just random non sequiturs. Had catfish last night in Manhattan, spectacular, dot, dot, dot. Met Bobby De Niro in Hollywood the next night, dot, dot, dot. I mean, th those were his columns. They were just really weird, okay? But that's open-ended. That means it can constantly be amended. That means it has no meaning. The term citizen to me packs a wallop. 
and it has traditionally in in Western civilization going back to its original roots of ancient Rome, the term citizen meant something. They packed a wall up then. So I love the idea of we, the citizens of these United States. I like that idea. The person who did not said you are, despite your pest, and I'm paraphrasing here, uh, you are setting up the potential for a caste system where the citizenry and the people are become utterly different to the point of hostility and contention. We have that now. Don't we? We well, because do, because the illegals have more rights than you do. They I get think, they get standing before federal courts. You don't get. They get benefits. You don't get. You work for them. We we have this now. They're more important than you now, actually. So we have this now. Um. I, I to me you get it. To me though, the caste system you're afraid of happens when we have classes of citizens. No, we're just we just have citizens. One class. Th- this is the danger, by the way, with group rights. There's no such thing as civil rights. No such thing as states' rights. No such thing as governments don't have rights. Individuals have rights. That's what you guys are agreeing, and he just thinks that's where that's the important point. And and if you have two different definitions, if a citizen has something different than a person who is not. A citizen, as it ends up getting played out, you get scarlet lettered. I mean, look at the difference between you can. There's a question coming up: Should a baseball stadium have a vaccinated section and an unvaccinated section? You know that level of that person Orwellian. who wrote that question had to think to themselves: What question could I ask to guarantee totters and we'll place it on the show? What what can I? What question do I know? Even if I don't care, I don't, I don't even care. I just want to, I wanted to say my name on this show. What question could I know if I give it to Totters and he will make sure my name and this question gets asked on the air? They had to think that's the one that I know Todd will grab and make sure we I, answer. I never expected to be going down this rabbit hole where we talk about vaccination on the show as much as we do, but here we are and I had nothing to do with it. I'm not afraid of the term citizen. I'm not afraid of what it means. Um, and... Ultimately, the idea of who the people are and what a citizen means wasn't in dispute in the late 18th century. It is very much in dispute now. Now, we could argue it should have been more in dispute. Slavery was still legal in many places in the country in the late 18th century. But outside of the slavery question... Holistically, there was not a debate that citizen and I mean, you're talking about people that originally only landowners could vote. So the, the, the idea that these these words were distinct from one another was not the case in the late 18th century. It's very much the case today. I'm not afraid of amending the Constitution. I don't really understand the hesitancy to do so. It doesn't impose on states. You can't amend the Constitution without a preponderance of the states affirming it. So it's not a violation of states' rights in any way. The people who wrote it amended it right from the outset. It's not divine revelation. It's a social compact of human government. What it takes to amend it is an extraordinary effort of agreeance 
amongst a very diverse populace. I, I just don't understand. I, I just have never understood the hesitancy about amending the Constitution. The people who wrote it amended it right away. So this next question, we're coming up against a break, but I think it's a really good question. So I want to tease this before we head to break. Okay. John Mara asks, if the government did, in fact, come out tomorrow and admit that the virus is synthetic, how would that affect your view of how we should conduct our lives going forward? That's a great question. And we get great questions every week. This is one of the best. There are two answers I have to this. Um, let me just leave it there as a tease. But that, John, that's a great question. And I think it, it, there's, there's two instant responses I have to it. And you'll find out what everybody else does here in a moment when we come back. Trying to sell a home, or if you are doing the double duty, I did that once, uh, selling the home you're in to buy the next one, whichever the case may be, can be one of the more stressful things, even in a healthy, robust, normal economic environment, but in these unprecedented times. Bing. Thank you. Got that in today. Uh, you want to make sure that you can find an agent that will come in, take charge of the situation, yes, but then also remember who ultimately is in charge, you. By the way, it'd be nice, too, if they kind of had a verifiable, vetted record of success that they are good at this. Wouldn't that be nice? Boy, where could I find such an agent? Well, the name kind of says it all. Head to the website, realestateagentsitrust.com. Again, that's realestateagentsitrust.com. Almost anywhere, almost. I, I just say that because who knows where people want to move these days to get away from all of this. But almost anywhere you'd want to move, we can probably find an agent for you that you can trust. And often you're going to find out they, they came from the same audience. That's really where this company started. It was a grassroots effort of hooking people up with agents in the audience that had similar values and were good at their jobs. And then it just grew from there. So go to this website, realestateagentsitrust.com. Again, that's realestateagentsitrust.com. Now, we teased a question for our Me We Ask Me Anything. Aaron, reset this question because this is a good one. John Mara asks, if the government did in fact come out tomorrow and admit the virus is synthetic, i.e. Made, made in a lab, how would that affect your view of how we should conduct our lives going forward? There's two major points to this. Number one. We need verification that that confirmation is not a power grab. Meaning, I think it is possible enough that the, the same people that, if that were to happen, lied to you this entire time, might be lying to you now. Variant! Yes, because they're watching... They're watching mm -hmm. the power of COVID stand outside of the coasts. I mean, an hour ago, Washington, D.C. announced, you know, which said last week, don't dance at a wedding. It announced May 21, it's going to be removing almost all of its COVID restrictions and the rest will be gone on June 11th. So the, the, the COVID stand 
authoritarian power grab is slipping through a lot of people's fingers. Gavin Newsom's going to get recalled in California. Now it's looking like Gretchen Whitmer may face a challenge from a black police chief for her re-election next year. Um, you need to make sure, number one, that this isn't just an attempt at a power grab. How could they verify that to us? There's really only one way. Since we don't have our own ability to follow up, we would get our information from them, right? We would have... It's not like we can just hop on a plane, go to Wuhan, and investigate it ourselves. So here's what we would need. Starting with Anthony Fauci, everybody that lied to us about this and its origins are in, are in handcuffs right away and arrested. Anything short of that? If I were you, I'd be really skeptical and dubious that they want to suddenly tell the truth at this stage. Because Fauci could not not know that. Well, given the fact his department was directly funding the Wuhan Institute of Virology to some degree, you would think probably not. Okay. Particularly given they, it wasn't just that they were what they were. It isn't just they were funding them. It is what they were funding. Right. So now we're getting reports from over the weekend. that The Chinese were experimenting on spiked proteins with coronaviruses. Well, what was the kind of research that Fauci's department was funding? It's called gain-of-function research. What is gain-of-function research? It's, it's the equivalent of putting your hand on a hot stove to see how, the bot, how it responds to getting burned. That you, you basically create a virus or let one out in order to study its behavior once it's out. That's the point of it. Now, you do this in a lab, ostensibly, because it's a controlled setting. Until, say, it's not. Okay? So, any such announcement would have to be, would have to be adjoined by instantaneous accountability for everybody involved in both lying about it over the last year plus, as well as helping synthesize it in the years prior. Short of that, you should be very, very dubious about what the motivations are. Now, let's say that were to happen. Then that would bring us to a second point. A lot of you like me right now because you don't like COVID lockdowns. You don't like wearing masks. And I'm telling you they don't work. Do you know why I'm telling you this? Because they don't work. What would I be telling you if they did? Would I be telling you they don't work? And a lot less of you would like me. We've been through periods like that before, have we not? Yes. Yes. Might we be in periods like that again in the future? Almost certainly. And, I mean, with some of you, I went through this just the last few days over Bruce Jenner. I like it when you like me. I'm a little bit more human than I let on. <laughs> All right. I, I, I would prefer to be liked. It's just not really a requirement for me. 
You know what I like even more than being liked? A lot more, in fact. Being right. If the choice is being right or being liked, I got to tell you, man, I get off on being right a lot more than I get off on being liked. Now, most people are not like that. Most people being liked is being right. I don't really care if I'm liked, if, the, if it's the alternative is, am I wrong? I want to be right. I like being right. My ego, a lot of people's egos are fed by being liked. Mine's not. I take that as a luxury. I appreciate it. Like if someone earnestly likes me, you guys don't like see me repel that person or anything, do you? No. No. Not intentionally. (laughs) Well played. Um, No, my ego is fed by being right. I like to be right. If masks worked and they were saving lives, I'd hate wearing it on the plane every bit as much as I do now. Actually, no, I wouldn't. I'd hate it, but I'd put up with it because... It's a, it's a small inconvenience to pay to save a life, right? Except you're not saving any lives. So now it's just a tool of ignorance, and that's why I hate them. With the heat of a thousand suns. Because I know that you know, and you know that I know, that this is a pan-like totem. Like the kid that got thrown off the plane from Southwest Airlines. Because he's on the spectrum. Really, what they really mean is, Jedediah boy had to be thrown from cart. Jedediah boy has problems. May throw pan idol into woods, thus angering pan and hurting thou crops. That's really what that is. It's a flat out pagan just ritual playing out right before your eyes. That's what it is. It's a scam. I mean, the pilots at Southwest who threw that kid off the plane, I hope, did they do a moon dance afterwards to make sure they got, we, we, we do moon dance, make sure plane land. Did they do that? Might as well, same amount of science. They don't work. If they worked, I'd be telling y'all to mask up. Remember before I found out that they worked? Like day two of lockdowns, what did I propose? You guys remember this? Wear masks. We should maybe just wear masks and not lock everything down. Then they told us that the masks don't work. They've studied masks for years. They don't work. I looked at the studies. Correct. And they showed they don't work. So I said, okay, that's not going to work. Even last summer when the new studies came out claiming they worked, I said, you know what? Let's call their bluff. We'll wear masks and we'll wear masks for the month of July. That's when everything changed, right? Last year. Yes. We'll do 30 days of masks in the hopes that we get our way of life back in the fall, right? Right. They don't work, guys. They don't work. If they did, I'd be saying something different. How that relates to part two of this is, if they had been honest with us from the beginning about the synthetic origins of this, allegedly, if they'd been honest about this, then we probably would not have written this book. You know why? Because a lot of our, a lot lot of this book relies on, on how you interpret data in regards to the established laws of virology, immunology, and biology. If we have a, really, when we're talking about a synthetic, we're talking about a biological weapon. It's just a matter of whether it was intentionally meant to weaponize against you or not. But, but once it's out in the open, whether it was intentionally militarized against you, it works effectively as a biological weapon. And at that point, you'd be a lot more cautious about what we're dealing with. 
the most innocent explanation for Fauci's duplicity is that he has either known or suspected all along the virus is synthetic. And that is why he has been so willing to mask the vaccinated, don't count for natural immunity. That's why he's been throwing out pre-established precedents and laws of immunology, virology, and biology all along. Has he admitted that to us, though? No. So does he get to use that as his excuse? No. By the way, if he did decide now that it was his excuse, wouldn't he have some rather inconvenient questions to have to answer afterwards? Yeah. That's a great question, though, John. Up next, we have Dean Grossnickel, who says, what do you think about using vaccine passports for voter ID? Is that the quickest way to get rid of them? (laughs) That is sufficiently snarky, and I like it. So I, I, to me, uh, I'm just going to let that question stand on its own. I love that. Okay. That's a great idea. Yes. Deb Stockford is up next. Hey, Steve, what's your view of having separate sections at ball games or events for vaccinated and the unvaccinated? I heard they're going to start doing this in New York. And do you think this will be the norm across America soon? So here's the thing. I, I was reading about this over the weekend. I don't know yet if I'm ready to answer this question because on an emotional, visceral level, I think it is a terrible idea, but I have to have an argument beyond an emotional, visceral level first, right? I I think what's, what's, what's carried us along, uh, there's been a couple of things that have carried us along over the last year. We've locked down our sources of places and data that we cite we we don't use even people like we really appreciated with the frontline doctors we're doing last summer for example when they had the press conference in dc right but have we used them for a source for anything we've done no were they cited as a regular source in fauci and bargain no i think they were mentioned i think once why because if we can't lock everything down as a source that is considered credible, they'll just ban, ban you on site. So we've been very, very diligent and beyond guarded about data sources we have used. That, that's number one. The other thing is we've gone with data instead of just emotion. Or even our own instincts, when our instincts are like, eh, I don't know. Let's wait and see what the data says. So, the, the problem I have with this right now is largely instinctual, in that I just think it's a terrible precedent to set. Especially when we're talking about a virus that is of so little lethal risk to such a limited portion of the population. The fact these vaccines aren't even FDA approved yet, their efficacy really isn't truly known. We're finding out right now. These are the real human trials right now, what's going on right now. And this so quickly jumped to this as, a, as an application for these experimental substances to give them that level of reverence I'm extremely uncomfortable with. But would I go far enough to say that there would never be a cause for doing something like that in the future? I mean, it's a different respiratory issue, but didn't we have smoking and non-smoking sections for, I mean, we did when you and I were growing up, right? Yeah. Okay. 
So I'm not prepared to definitively say yet that I think it's, it's bad. I want more data before I give you a definitive answer. But instinctively, given what I know about the true lethality of coronavirus, and given what I've seen about the true effectiveness of the vaccines, to instantly, basically the New York Mets are saying they know more than the Federal Drug Administration does. Stop and think about that. The, Mets are, the New York Mets are saying they are willing to give a certain level and, and really, every corporation like them making this demand on you is doing the same. That they are prepared to give these things a level of honor that they've yet to even earn basic FDA approval yet. Instinctively, my gut has, my spidey sense is tingling and my gut has a lot of problems with that because of the precedent that I believe it sets for later on. But what I say in the future, that's always a bad idea. I, I can't say that either. Because again, it's, I, I think we need to leave open the possibility we could face a real plague. That we're not immune to that just because of our new technologies and our convenient ways of living. Gentlemen, you have any final thoughts? When that plague comes, we won't be remotely thinking about buying a ticket to the damn ball game. And that's how you know this is a terrible that's idea. That's a great point. That's a really good point, Todd. Yeah. There's, it's so different. It's so difficult. We're, we're just, it seems like every single issue, um, it's just human nature, just chaotic pendulums. We swing from one extreme to the other, trying to find the truth, the narrow way right in the middle is, is incredibly it seems incredibly difficult on its face until you just think critically about uh, about the issue at hand. And that's the same thing here. Uh, but Todd boiled it down very simply there. When the one comes, when the one comes, you'll know. You'll know. What is the question we asked several times last March and April? Um, are we seeing refrigerated trucks in your backyard? In your backyard hospital. Some places, maybe. But most places, no. That's pretty good in indication that this was not bubonic plague. That'll do it for today's program. We're back at it again tomorrow, noon to 2 Eastern, right after Glenn Beck here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. And still, until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.